welcome to NDG Winnings Season 3, Episode 14, where Dave and Adam sit around and talk about NDG and, more than ever, the world that revolves around it. S3E14. That means we've had 14 episodes so far in this season, chock full of political politics, candidates running for borough mayor, borough councilor, but Adam, tonight, tonight. we have... If we had a drum, we'd roll it now. For five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Mayoress Sue Montgomery joins us as our special guest today. Welcome, Mayor Sue Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's great to be back. Yes, it's number been... th third. Number third. three. You've, it's the, the No, platinum. I think I've only been there twice. Because once was before COVID. Have yeah. I been there this third? Is the third it, it, yeah, it feels like three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's been three. It's been three. Now, you know, very be busy mayors and, you know, a lot going on. But three, we yes. had an excellent interview with Lionel Perez a yeah. few episodes ago. Yeah, I listened to that. Mm -hmm. We had, who's another mayoral candidate, we had Christian Arsenal on mm -hmm. our last episode. And here we have Sue Montgomery, mayoress, leader of the Equipe Courage, and running for re election. Yeah. So, um,. So, all right, Sue, I think, you know, people are sort of like, they probably even put down their popcorn already. <laughs> they want to hear what is going on in this round. You are like the, you know, you know those Japanese game shows where people have to like run <laughs> across these giant foam logs and they fall off. You're now on like the sixth round of, of your, you know, this thing. So tell us what's going on and, 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 you know, tell it, put us in the, in the, in the, in the today inning, you know? Well, it's kind of, you know, it's like the Olympics, right? It's, uh, people are probably tuning into this instead of the Olympics, right? Exactly. It's, um, yeah. okay. It's, you know, in all honesty, it's been, a rough, rough time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been very stressful, very stressful on me and my family. And like all residents, I'm sick to death of it. I'm sure everybody else is. And, you know, it, it seems difficult to follow, but it started off when I uh, stood up for my former chief of staff and now candidate for Loyola, Annalisa Harris, when I was ordered to fire her without any evidence or proof or uh, anything about psychological harassment charges, which have uh, since been shown to be bogus. So I'm glad I stood up for it. It was the right thing to do, but it has not been easy. Mm -hmm. And um, so now what's happening is, you know, the, the uh, Quebec Municipal Commission, which is sort of like the ethics board of the elected officials but it's staffed by a whole bunch of bureaucrats okay mm -hmm. so normally when you go before your ethics board as a professional you're you're judged by your peers like doctors engineers mm -hmm. things like that but here it's not your peers it's like a bunch of bureaucrats who don't really want you uh speaking out or challenging the status quo or standing up right. so they joined together to go against me and, um, you know, they found me guilty of these ridiculous ethics charges. Like once was one was leaving a meeting. I don't know how that's unethical. Maybe it's impolite or, you know. Cause you didn't ask if you could 
You yeah, didn't I didn't your put hand my hand down. Leave, mm-hmm. yeah. You didn't finish yeah. your vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and like saying something, you know, saying an off-color joke in the privacy of my own home mm-hmm. on a Friday evening uh, with close, what I thought, confidants. So obviously you can't trust anyone in politics. Mm-hmm. It's been a hard lesson for me to learn. Um so anyway, the, this, this commission found me guilty, and then they suspended me, of course, uh, for four months. So basically up until the election. Uh, did, I think did, anyone... Did they have a say in terms of the duration, or was it four months? Like, do you think there was a bit of intent behind it that four months it would... Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because the... they took their sweet time. Right. Uh, giving me my hearing. My hearing was in April. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they took their time coming out with the, the decision and then the sanctions. And then, you know, and so we went directly to Superior Court. And once again, as every time that I go to Superior Court it happens, the judge ruled in my favor and said the commission seemed to be biased. Like they took their sweet time and now we're at the door of an election. It seems a bit suspect. So he stayed the sanctions and we will have a whole hearing on, or a, it's called a judicial review on October 5th to look at all the charges and the sanctions and everything. And and quite frankly, I'm very confident um, that the Superior Court, which is an independent uh, court of law, unlike the CMQ, uh, they will rule in my favor because I have done nothing wrong. And um, and, and I think it's going to be a precedent-setting uh, case because it will clearly show, I think, uh, who's in charge at this city. Mm-hmm. Is it the bureaucrats or is it the elected mm-hmm. officials? You know, we are accountable to you, the residents, and the civil servants are accountable to us, the elected officials. Mm-hmm. What- That's the way it's supposed to work. Has the CM? When was the? How many times has the CMQ removed a mayor from a city in Montreal from office? That I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you, but I know that okay. there are many cases around the province ah, okay. going on right now because I've been contacted by several other mm. politicians, uh-huh. many of whom happen to be mayors, women mayors, uh-huh. uh, who like me are challenging the status quo. So there's a trend here. From a from a an uninformed citizen perspective, it seems bizarre that these bureaucrats that you describe can overrule the uh, the voice of the people uh, in in these various towns, including ours. Uh, it just seems bizarre. Is and um, the CMQ is that a municipal for Montreal or that's a all provincial? So the oh. the the uh, the page the web page that you posted on our NDG winning Facebook page of all those the folks who are the commission is that yeah. the CMQ for yeah. the province for the province yeah. who seem to be very um, unique similar in terms of makeup in terms of role in terms of other things as well it, so it, that's, it, it doesn't look doesn't like, seem to reflect the it doesn't look like people on the one sixty five okay I got it okay I got it. Um, okay, what are people telling you in the community, uh, Sue? Like, for, uh, with, with this case? Yeah, like you, you know, you're I'll talking to people. I, 
You know, I've been going door to door. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just came back tonight from doing some door to door with Annalisa and Loyola. And, you know, people are saying, like, good for you. You know, stand up for mm-hmm. this. And, you know, you can go on Thrive NDG and NDG Winning and NDG Living and see people who think they, you know, who appear that they were in all these meetings with me and Mm -hmm. know every detail. And there's a lot of speculation, uh, which I find quite, quite frustrating, but you know, I have a ton of support. Uh, but what really matters is I know I always stand up for what is right. right. And even though it's very difficult, it was very difficult. You know, I could have just fired Annalisa and moved on and maybe some people would have done that, but it was wrong. Mm-hmm. It was wrong. And here's a young woman at the beginning of her career um, who was just being bullied and mm-hmm. intimidated. And I was being told to fire her, which was basically illegal. Um, and I think that was pretty clear in Judge Sinat's uh, decision in December uh, that came out very much right. in our favor. Okay. And before we move on, and we will move on from this, by the way, but I yeah, wanted right. to bring up this point that in the course of the investigation, one of the investigators uh, somehow questioned your, your feminism. Can you remind our listeners of, of that moment? Because I think it's, it's, it's informative and telling. Yeah, so when we asked for investigation into the into the our borough, like we were the ones who asked for it, they turned that investigation around and we were questioned and, and we participated voluntarily and and happily and to provide information. And they said, is it true that you have a poster up in your office that says uh, less bullshit, more feminism? And I said, yeah, I mean, that's basically my motto in life. And uh, they said, well, don't you think the men could find that discriminatory? Mm-hmm. And I was I was gobsmacked. I thought, first of all, what year is this? And secondly, um, you know, these are two women questioning me. And so clearly somebody uh, complained about this which I thought was a bit shocking. Um, And there was someone else in my office, a man who was questioned about how he felt being the only man in the office uh, with a bunch of feminists. And he said, well, I like it. I mean, I am a feminist. Mm. So I found that very odd. Um, And Annalisa was asked why she doesn't smile more, you know, you know, you know, these kinds of things in, in the U S today, to ask as an investigator investigating a workplace situation, the fact of asking that question, you're like fired immediately. The investigator. Well, not just in the state. So I work, you know, in the corporate world. Right. And if someone made that kind of complaint in today's corporate world, they would be. Yeah. And this is a a neutral investigator. This is not someone down in the, in the issues. It, it, you know, and we've touched on this in the past. No, I just want to inter- yeah. to say it wasn't a neutral investigator. Oh, it was okay. another civil servant with the city at the respect of the person department. Ah, uh-huh, but they're supposed to be. By, they're supposed to by, be. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Respect of the yeah. man department. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, you know, and we've talked about uh, we've talked about this with you in the past, but also we've talked about it as well on other podcasts. Is 
you know, to me, I think there, it's a, it's a, also a question of gender. Uh, there's definite parallels to Anime Paul, the leader of the Green Party, yep. where you have these uh, women who are perceived as quote unquote strong women in positions are the ones that get like, you know, and we, you know, I've joked about this with Adam, Sue, that, you know, if your name was uh, Stan Montgomery, would this be the, would we be in the same situation right now? And I, there's part of it that says maybe you wouldn't be. And I think that's part of it as well. And, and you're dealing with a very traditional bureaucracy, a bureaucracy that is traditional, that probably is more resistant to change than other uh, areas within the political side, even on the non-political side. And uh, it's, yeah, it's... Uh, Okay. Well, you know, some women are experiencing this. Like, for me, I, I, you know, I don't care. I've been a feminist all my life. Mm -hmm. I've put up with a lot of crap. You know, I have pretty thick skin. But I, when I see uh, young women like Annalisa and other women in medicine, engineering, construction, even the women blue-collar workers at the city, you know, if you don't behave a certain way and don't smile and sort of you know, humor the men that are around the table, you know, you're, you're not promoted. You're not, you know, we're all expected to behave a certain way. And I find that this generation of feminists, like my daughter's age and their twenties, they don't do that. Like they're not playing that game anymore. Yeah. They're, they're pushing back. And I, I feel that there's a trend of smacking them down. Like, you know, you're a little bit too big for your britches. You can be mm. a feminist, but, you know, mm. we're still in charge here. Yeah. So yeah. we're not quite there yet, you know. Yeah. And, and, and really, that's why I'm doing this. Uh, because I want young women out there to see, and, and men for that, for that matter, to stand up for what is right, for what you mm. believe in. And even though it's, it's difficult, you will have support. And you will be able to live with yourself, yeah. you know. And and I think it's important for young people to see that. And and because it is hard, you know. Believe me, there are days where I said I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm. Yeah. And it was hard for my family to see that, uh, and for them to see what the public was saying about me, to see me in the media all the time. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, I've been a very good role model for my kids and for other young people who may experience this and probably will experience mm. things like this in the workplace, you know? So. Um, and being a role model, that's a great uh, point on which to go to our next general topic, which is your platform, your vision for the borough going forwards, your team. So tell us what you're imagining for Cotonej and DG in the next mandate. Well, and I know it sounds hokey, but I love this borough. I've lived here, you know, for, I don't know, 20 some odd years. I raised both my kids here and, you know, I ride my bike all over the place. And every time I ride my bike, I can't believe how big it is. First of all, oh. I mean, it's massive, right? It's I the biggest, it's 20, right? It's the biggest city borough in Quebec. Yeah. 21 square kilometers or something, 400 kilometers of sidewalk. And I should know all these stats off the top of my head, but, um, you know, and, and the diversity and, and, and the sense of community, yeah. you know, I love that. And I don't think that exists in every other borough in the city. So 
I just I want to back up and say what we have accomplished. I know a lot of people say the borough's dysfunctional, yada yada, but you know, behind all these crazy headlines, we were doing a lot of work and we were getting a lot of things done. Uh, one of the big things for NDG was we bought the land next to the YMCA. And the YMCA, I just had a meeting with them today. They're, you know, they're working hard to, to open this fall. Uh, you know, and they're looking to hire people. So anyone that's looking for work, they, the Y is, needs you and wants you. Uh, we got $9 million, and that was Annalisa's doing. She secured, as my chief of staff, she secured $9 million from different levels of government to um, fix up the Trend Home Center in, uh, in the park. Um, we, uh, you know, of course, there's the Empress, the never-ending yeah. Empress. Yeah, that was one of, one of the topics I wanted to uh, discuss yeah. with you. So, so what's the latest? So, um, you know, it's... If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get that damn thing. So <laughs> maybe not to go too back in time, but I think at the last check, there was uh, you had received some commitments yes. uh, for funding from the city yeah. level and other levels that it was going to become uh, an art hub and other. Uh, well, apartments for artists. Right. And then the middle part will be like community space because we're sorely lacking in community space. Yeah. I dream of having a place where people our age can go and dance starting at seven o'clock. <laughs> Just nice. after the early bird uh, special, right? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of midnight, right? Um, and then the ground floor, I would love to see some kind of wine bar right. or a, a microbrewery or something. Like, because I want, I imagine it as an extension of the park, you know? Like, right. nice. so we have secured the funding. And unfortunately, with COVID, you know, Things are, uh, I'm not sure where things stand right now, but I haven't heard anything to the contrary. We managed to hold consultations and that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. We did it online yes. yeah. and ton of enthusiasm, a lot of great ideas. And, you know, we've, we've sent all those uh, messages to the SHDM downtown right. and they are to come back to us with the feasibility plan, like what would work. You know, like this is what we envision. This is what people want. But what is possible? Like, you know, because they're sort of the experts in developing these things. Do you think, so that's that. Do you think a decision will be reached before the election or is it everything oh, being on hold? Yeah. So it's an election. Yeah. No, no, no. There won't be a decision. But, um, you know, like no decisions is from what I'm learning are made now going of course, forward. Yeah. Because it's yeah. election, but yeah. but the other thing, um, but one thing I do want to do, and tomorrow I have my weekly meeting with Stefan Plant, so I'm going to check in with him to see where this goes. But I've been in touch with the Skate Park Association because I really want us to hold consultation. They do the consultations. They come up with a plan about uh, where we could have a, a skate park. In, uh, in yeah, the there was someone mm -hmm. who posted on one of the social sites in about NEG uh, about a skate park. Um, I can't recall who it was, but there was talk about like seeing if we can get the skate park. The one in Benny Park is that in too Benny, small? We're getting that fixed. Okay. It'll be yeah. fixed. Because they're having an event this month, okay. so I've been promised by the services that the I think there's a crack mm -hmm. or something uh, that will be fixed, right. and the fence will be taken down. 
Oh, great. So oh, nice. those were the two asks yeah. that we had. So yeah. that's supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really want to, uh, you know, so, so those are some of the, the things that we're doing in NDG. We obviously have other things in Cotonou, mm -hmm. like the Hippodrome yeah. and we bought a building where we're going to, the school will be going in for the triangle because mm -hmm. they planned and built that whole development and then thought, Oh, we don't have a grocery store. We don't have a school, right. you know? Uh, so we're working on that. Um, but also during COVID, I did a lot of thinking and a lot of reading actually about cities around the world yeah. and, and, the changes that have come apart uh, about because of it, like in Paris and Barcelona and, and, you know, we did sort of a little bit of that here where we made that little parquet at Royal and Sherbrooke. And that was yeah. huge. Popular, yeah. Very right? popular. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, big yeah. Hit. And the now there's Aurora another Borealis. One. Yeah. The yeah. Borealis? I don't yeah. know about the yeah. Aurora Borealis, but the chairs and the, the chill <laughs> there, zone. There was some I said, you know what, next year, maybe we can just scrap that. I mean, a lot of the people that uh, enjoy cannabis, let's say, enjoyed that. <laughs> but uh, uh, That's what I was told anyway. But I said, next year, we can just have a nice tree there or something. And I don't yeah. think we need the Northern Lights. Um, but anyway, I, the, my whole argument is that we need these public spaces, like we put another one in at Giroir and Monkland, and there's another one further west. So I think they're great. Like we we need, and, and this is what builds trust in a community, you know, when you can get together, you get to know each other, and you know your neighbors, and then there's not this suspicion about who do I live next to, and I can't trust anyone, and... Um, you know, so I think those things are really important. And it's a non, um, these are non-commercial spaces. I think that's an important part of what they yeah, are. Yeah, public. Uh, yeah, there's no right? selling, there's no branding. It's just right. chairs and green space or whatever. And yeah. one of the other questions that's come up that's been asked on our NDG Winning Facebook pages, um, and it's, it's more, I guess, focused on NDG, is uh, merchants on Sherbrooke saying, yeah. hey, what about us? Um, yeah. you know, there's Monkland. Yeah. The Monkland, you know, it's, it's the Montreal of NDG. And have yeah. you had any, uh, is there any thought of, uh, in terms of your platform, what do you see or how, things that we could do for Sherbrooke as yeah. well? Yeah. I talk, uh, it, I think you're talking about Sandrini. Yes. And they, because <laughs> I go there on a regular Absolutely. basis, I am addicted to her gelato. Uh, it's on my ride home from, uh, where I play tennis. So I always stop. I always think, oh, I can have gelato now. I play tennis. <laughs> anyway, we talk a lot about ideas and um, she's absolutely right. Like we need more urban furniture. We need planters. And after COVID, you know, we've, we're trying really mm. hard to help the local uh, businesses stay there. Um, we don't have control over the rents, unfortunately. Right. We need Quebec to step in and do rent yeah. control. Um, but we can, we, we do have a lot of power in terms of how do we attract people. And again, I come back to my reading I've been doing and, you know, what we need are more walkable streets, right? Like mm. it's not enjoyable per se to walk on Sherbrooke because there's a ton of traffic and um, there's not really any place to stop. And 
I don't know. I like I, like on Monkland, it's more of a strolling street, right? right? Yeah. So we have to figure out how to how to do that because you you have to accommodate the cars and you have to accommodate um, bikes and and uh, pedestrians. Um, but you can do that with um, you know urban furniture, nice yeah. like Adirondack chairs or planters or just. You know, to make it look nicer, and in the winter at Christmas we have mm, more light. Right. Uh, but I would like to do that on Summerlad. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of streets that need uh, TLC, like Manhorn, Queen Mary. Yeah, uh, Queen Mary for sure. Uh, yeah. Someone had suggested uh, comparing to Bernard. Apparently, Bernard and Outremont had done some sort of reconfigure. And I, I agree. I think Sherbrooke is is a challenging street. Um, we had had a few podcasts in the past talking about the yellow lines in the middle, um, not necessarily criticizing them, but sort of what's going on. And you know what? As, as someone who has to drive occasionally, it's worked out well, I think, with for Sherbrooke Street as well. And because there, it wasn't clear yeah, how many lanes it was. Exactly. Right? And there's also been some new businesses that have opened up recently on Sherbrooke as well, and more, you know, upscale uh, and. They're, they're, yeah, it's, uh, it's and that's why I think it's important to get the Empress going because mm. uh, that's going to inject all kinds of life into that area. You know, I mean, it's a complete eyesore. Right. Uh, and, like, I really wanted just to get it demolished. Right. This mandate because so, I thought that would give people some hope. You know, but so maybe yeah. a twofold question. We'll look forward. It's November eighth, twenty twenty one. You've won uh, borough mayor. And you've won a majority of the councillors. So what are your priorities afterwards? What do you want to do? What can you do, uh, assuming that you've won a majority? Well, okay, the Empress is one. Um, and, of course, you know, you, I'm really hoping you meet my whole team because they're fantastic. I know yes, you interviewed we've started, Yes, exactly. Sure. At least we know. And they're yeah. all rooted in the community. They've all done community yeah. work. And so they all... You know, it would be good to talk to each one of them to, about what they want to do because I've said to them, you know, I don't want to be one of these leaders top down that I experienced mm -hmm. uh, in my past uh, political life. Um, I, I like to, I, I want, you know, I want to hear from from the candidates. Like, what do you want to do? What are you hearing on the street? What are you hearing from your residents? Um, I don't think it's right for a party to come and say. Uh, we're going to do this, you know, I want, we want more uh, consultation, more mm -hmm. communication, because I think, you know, I learned so much in these past four years, honestly. And of course I made mistakes and um, because I was new, I was new yeah. to the job um, and quite frankly, didn't quite know how things worked. Uh, the city is a very complicated machine. Yes. Uh, it's taken me a long time to, to figure it out. Unfortunately, I was kind of thrown into the, the center of the storm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wish that hadn't happened either. But I'm very passionate about what I do. And um, I think I'm in it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. As And that's the same with my team. Right. They're not politicians per se. They're not, they're there because they really care about the community. And I was talking to one of them from Darlington and she said, you know, I'm hearing a lot about housing 
And I said, I know it's, it's a huge problem. Like rents are going up and I'm terrified our borough is going to become one of these boroughs just for the rich, you know, because one of its beauties and attractions is the diversity we have here. Yeah. Not only of people, of, you know, a hundred different backgrounds, but um, also income levels. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Um, we don't want a bunch of uh, entitled rich people, you know. I mean, it's, that's not very interesting to live right, in. Yeah. It's not not realistic. But I said to her, I don't know what the solution is. You know, like we have rent control in, like we have the Régie de, de Logement, and we're doing all we can for sanitary mm-hmm. The sanitary situation and we hired more inspectors and we have more follow-up um but housing is become a real crisis in montreal which yeah. we've never had before so i don't think that, that's a city center i mean partly a city center challenge and yeah. and I, I i wonder i'd like to hear from you so you know you're an independent political party you exist only yeah. in cote de and dg uh, there are, you're not the only person, uh, as an independent, you know, there's Alex Montagano with team NDG, there's Christian Arsenault, who's totally independent. Uh, there's something about Cotonege NDG that gives rise to these independent spirits. Mm-hmm. And how is this borough going to get along with the city center and get its fair share of the city budget and, uh, all of that? How are we going to And maybe that? just to add to that, in line with that is, what happens also in a scenario where you are elected as borough mayor, but you don't have the majority of uh, Courage uh, Party candidates related to that too? Like, how, how are you going to navigate through that scenario where you, we are in Ilo, we're an island on ourselves yeah. in no, terms I'm of our independence? I'm, I'm pretty confident we uh, our team will do well. Um you know, I th- I'm very buoyed by the reaction as I go door to door. You know, I think we like. I think we have a team that is energetic, dynamic, but they also uh, reflect the reality of our our borough. Yeah. I mean, we have never had a councillor of color elected in Cote d'Ivoire, DG, yeah. which I find scandalous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I have been working to find candidates for months and talking to people and people in the community. And, you know, these are not just, you know, I didn't just go out and grab somebody and say, look, can you just run? So it looks like I'm diverse, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have been working together. We've been having conversations every Saturday morning on zoom with a group of people to talk about what do we want? So it's very exciting to be building something from the ground up like this. And so people ask me this question, you know, how, what kind of, what kind of power are you going to have if you're not part of the main party? But let's face it. Like once I was elected with Projet Montréal, like that was, you know, it was very difficult to, um, I had to follow, I had to toe the party line. Okay. So, when you look at Mayor Miranda, Miranda in Anjou, he has his own party and his own team elected. You look at Mano Barb in LaSalle, she has her own team mm-hmm. uh, and her own party elected. And they, they vote in blocks. 
right? Like they negotiate with whoever is in power and they say, okay, well, we will vote for you on or with you on this if you give us this. And that's what politics is all about, right? right. It's the compromise, it's the negotiation. Mm -hmm. And I can get along with anyone and I will get along mm -hmm. with anyone who gets elected, but I won't have to toe that part of the line. Yeah. yeah. And we are the biggest, most populous borough in the city. Yeah. So there is an interest for whoever gets yeah. elected. Yeah, and and, and and there's a transition too, right? Because Marvin Rotron has announced his retirement. Mm -hmm. right. uh, if you are elected as borough mayor, Lionel Perez is no longer a councillor in his area. So there is, even with Christian, if he wins as independent mm -hmm. or an Elisa mm -hmm. wins, or there's, there's definitely a... Uh, generational shift yeah, or uh, there's yeah. something different is going to sure, come out of this yeah, election, diversity, no gender, what. yeah you know, I never thought that being a counselor should be a career thing, like Marvin being there 40 years, I mean, bless his heart for hanging in that long and for everything he's done, but I really think there's there's merit in passing the torch and and, mm -hmm. and mentoring people and bringing them up the ranks and having fresh ideas and um, you know, coming to it with, with new ideas or new eyes, like open yeah. eyes, you know, and that's what I'm seeing from all my candidates who are, you know, they're in their thirties, forties, much younger than me. And it's fantastic to see, you know, uh, and it's exciting, uh, because they have all these, these great ideas and, you know, and I, I try to manage those <laughs> Just right. say, well, you're going to be working at the city, okay? It's not like you can't get things done overnight. But um, but I think that's another reason to have turnover because you can become jaded uh, when things don't get done quickly. Um, yeah. So well, there there are a couple topics that we covered with a lot of our with the other political guests that we've had recently. Uh, policing in the borough and uh, diversity of the civil service and of the police force. Can you kind of tell us what's on your mind on those topics? Well, as you know, I spoke out about uh, Station 11 leaving. I was very uh, upset about that. I was upset about the way it was done, that there was no consultation, and that uh, basically it came down to a real estate uh, you know, it was it was convenient for them to move to Station uh, to to uh, Cote Saint Louis. So, um, you know, I know that there's a huge debate right now about defunding the police, and and I do think that there's uh, a discussion to be had about uh, mental illness, and yeah. the police force is not equipped to deal with that. And I think we need more um, more teams of like social workers, mental health uh, specialists. And, but on the other hand, that's why I always support community policing, because when, when you have police walking the beat or driving around, they get to know the residents and they get to know, okay, you know, this guy uh, uh, has schizophrenia. And so when we see him out um, and he's perhaps having uh, a bad day, we know what that is yeah, and right. we know what we need to do with him. And we know that he's not dangerous or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the, the one issue is the mental health issue. And it's huge. And I think it's going to be even bigger after COVID, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of people have lost their jobs. So there's been mm -hmm. a lot of isolation, a lot of depression. So mm -hmm. 
And the other thing is the diversity in the police force. I think it's very important that um, the police force uh, reflect our population mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and work on building that trust. And, you know, again, we've had another young black man shot. Now, that poor woman who called the police to help her son and then they, they, they shoot him like... I just, I can't yeah. even imagine what she's going through right now. Yeah, it's, it's, um, un, it's, un, it's unbelievable. And, you know, you know, I mean, well, you know, how, wh wh when, when it, it's sort of, I mean, our show is not about the police force mm -hmm. and all, but it does affect our neighborhood, I believe, yeah. disproportionately. Well, we've had young men shot, exactly. uh, yeah, you yeah. know, three, and I yeah. covered the uh, the ones that um, happened, you know, mm -hmm. before I came into politics. And, it, you know, every time it's the same story, it seems it's like a young black man was wielding a knife, right? Yeah. And we yeah. felt threatened, so we had to shoot him. Yeah, three times. Yeah. Three times. Yeah. Yeah, or in the chest. Comment, right? And it's always the same story. And the other thing yeah. is we never hear the end of it. Like we don't hear what the investigation said. So I believe we need a civil uh, body, civilian body overseeing the police. You cannot have the police, mm -hmm. uh, you know, policing the police. Um, I think we, uh, you know, it's one thing to say, let's defund the police and put the money into something else. But you have to realize we have a unionized police force. Right. So I don't know how you're going to change that. Like, how are you yeah. going to lower the numbers or lower the, you know, cut their budget? And yeah. I mean, that's going to take time. It's a very, the brotherhood is a very strong yeah. union. And, and it's, they're, yeah. they're, I do agree with you. And I think we, last podcast, we touched on it too, that they just came out with a, a study and that 16% of, uh, Montreal police officers live in the city. Only 16. Only 16. Down from 20 right. 10 years ago. Yeah. So that, I think that's part of it. And they've done studies in the States where, uh, as you touched on, uh, Sue, where uh, police officers that live in the community, uh, crime is very different. And crime is down. And you're talking about if you know the community as well. Yeah. Uh, that's part of On the other end, too, they, they, you know, yes, there's challenges and yes, there's opportunity. But they are there to enforce the law. And maybe there's parts of the law they shouldn't be enforcing. Like you talk about mental illness, that if someone is, you know, is having a psychotic episode and they're charging at you with a weapon, it's put yourself in that situation. Should they be, should someone with, an, with, a, with a weapon, with a gun be in that position? You can argue yes, you can argue no. There's definite, definite opportunity for improvement and but and, that's uh, why I've always uh, voted in favor of body counts. Yeah. Because I think it, it benefits both parties. Right. And let me you guess. Know, like all of a sudden, it, Valerie Plant is back to body cams and Denise back to body cams, where we've had this debate for three years now about oh, body cams. It's we ridiculous. It's been politicized. Yeah. But Montreal, you know, they yeah. handed hard and But I really do. And I've talked talk to a lot of defense lawyers and other, you know, I used to be the justice reporter and I, you know, I talked to a lot of people in that uh, area. I used to actually be a prison guard too. So, mm. you know, I'm quite interested in all of these, um, these things. And, and they all say like, it not only protects the public when it comes to presenting evidence, but the cops too. Yeah. 
you know, because right now it's their word against the pe people mm -hmm. and who are you going to believe? Yeah. You and know? also 300 cameras on people's phones. No, they're not going to believe that. For exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, no, they downloaded that off YouTube. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So we're going to upload this episode in a few minutes <laughs> yeah. from now uh, to uh, to uh, to all the podcasting platforms. Mm -hmm. um, Sue Montgomery, thank you so much for taking uh, time with us once again. Mm -hmm. I know you're. It's summertime, but it's also kind of pre-election planning. People are really busy. Uh, I know we heard from our uh, Facebook group members that they yeah. wanted to hear from you. We wanted to yeah. hear your take on yeah, what's going thank on. Thank you so much. Yeah. And our format, as you know, is yeah. not the 30 second sound clip that you get on CJD yeah. or CBC. No, thank goodness. And, yeah. and for those listeners out there that are uh, concerned, uh, questioning, you know, that all that's going on with our, our illustrious borough mayor. Uh, it could be worse. It could be Hampstead. So be happy that, <laughs> be, be happy that yeah. we have manageable political quest stuff well, as well. I think, you know, I, I mean, I was so happy to be going door to door again. Like this is the part of my job right. that I really missed, yeah. like being in touch with people and yeah. hearing. And I know it, what it comes down to is, look, I pay my taxes, give me the services, right? right? Yeah. The garbage, the recycling, the compost, the snow removal. That's which have all been, which I must say, have all improved in the last few years. That's true. At least from my perspective well, as a resident. Except for your uh, compost box. Except for my compost destroyed. bin, which was Wait, destroyed by a crew. But I know. They I'm a still holding it out. But I, I think what you should do is you should, you should uh, score your... It's a hard job, and I know it's not fun, but definitely yeah. some crews are better than others, and there should yeah. be some sort of compensation for putting them back in there instead of throwing them yeah. back. Yeah, well, I'll talk to them. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I one of the things I've, um, through this whole it, uh, nightmare, you know, we had the Madison report, right, the report uh, that kind of got buried about all the harassment at, the blue collars. Yes, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, With yeah. years, right? Yes, mm -hmm, yeah. So I've been I've been visiting the yards quite often, and you know they're on my they're on my side, yeah. and mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that's really important. Like when mm -hmm. I see them picking up the snow or yeah. loading, when they come, when I hear the garbage truck coming, I go out and thank them because you know I wouldn't want to do that job. It's and, not. It's uh, a hard job. Yeah. And I think it's important to value uh, our workers. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, diss them, but I think by and large, uh, a lot of them are trying their best. And uh, um, I think it's important to, to show that uh, we appreciate them. And I, I don't think they get enough of that from the management mm -hmm. at, our, at yeah. our borough. And um, so... You know, and we also need a full-time mayor, like uh, people who have been in this position before didn't spend much time in the borough. They were downtown yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah. And uh, and that's what happens when the cat's away, you know. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, let's see what cat is in charge a few mm -hmm, months from now. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, we'll see. I'm doing awesome awesome and, uh, is always awesome and thank you as always. Cheers. And please talk to the rest of my team. They're awesome. Yes, we're, we're, we're yeah, absolutely. We're Cheers. Okay, Thank great. Thank you. Take care.
Wow. Amazing. As always. As always. always this was the uh, her third, third gray star stage. Uh, awesome as always. Yeah. And uh, sincere, transparent. And we hope to have yet another NDG Cotonage mayoral candidate. Not hope to have. We will we have. We will have. We have another one in the works for our loyal listening and audience. Upcoming episodes. So upcoming stay tuned. Episode. Yes, yes. The best source of information in NDG, right? As always. All right, man. Take care. Take everyone. care. Bye. Bye.